0: Two or three kids a day are enrolling in Leaders for Life Alternative High School. That says that there's, a, there's an issue. There's, there's cause for concern. There's cause for us to look at what are we not doing to support these young people so they can stay in traditional public school. Um, I did a study back in 2016. There were 2,700, 26, 2,700 crimes committed, violent crimes committed in the city of North. 82% were done by young men or young people between the ages of 16 and 21. That coincides with the data of there are almost 7,000 young people between the ages of 16 and 21 who are disconnected from school. So if you're not in school, what are you out doing? You're out committing crimes. You're out getting involved in activities that you shouldn't be involved in, illegal activities. So we have to do a better job skinny line. We have to do a better job, you know, District wise, even nonprofits have to do a better job to find out where
1: these kids are, reconnect them, re engage them, and get them some services. Hey, Keith here from Black Men Speak. We are kicking off season two of the podcast. I hope you guys had a great start to the new year. Um, we are just so excited to talk to Coach Al Tariq White. He's one of my frat brothers, he's a Newark, New Jersey football legend and he's founder of Leaders for Life, which started as a nonprofit peer leadership program. And now it's an alternative high school that gives students an opportunity to get their diploma. In this episode, we talk about his days as a football player and how he led Weekway High School football team to its first and last state championship. Because it's National Mentoring Month, we talk about how we need more men to pour into these young people, because he is seeing two to three kids a day Come to his school for help, and that's doing COVID. Let's kick off the show, Brother Al Tariq. Welcome, glad that you're here tonight. You know, I'm really excited that you're kicking off this second uh, second season. You know, because you know we we knew each other on the Gridiron when I was at Play It Smart, but to hear more about what it was like when you were in high school, you know, being a football star, because, you know, I know you mm-hmm. probably didn't get to share that as much with your, you know, with the with the team, because it was all about discipline back then, yeah. so, so let's go quickly back to, you know, 1989, so you were basically, you know, football star for Malcolm X Shabazz High School, so what was it like for you at that time growing up? So, we can go back, let's go back even further than that. Uh, you know, I was, you know, I've been playing
0: football, and actually a lot of people don't know this, but baseball, it's actually my best sport. Uh, oh, okay. I was, wow. yeah, you know, I played Project Pride. I played, you know, I went to Puerto Rico as a young man, and, and you know, I played baseball for Mr. Miller, Coach Miller, and Project Pride back when I was a youngster. And then I started playing football uh, for, you know, the infamous uh, Thad Cowboy Kettle. And in 1983, I was—I I actually lied on my application. I was. A lot of them said I was older than I really was, and wow. I played <laughs> the team. I think I was 12. Everyone else was like 15, 16, and we won the, we won the uh, championship in 83 and four feet of snow over at Westside Park. So my, my wow. football grid started back when I played for Cowboy Kettles uh, back in 82 and 83.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. And so and you had no reservations of uh, playing with uh, kids that were much older?
0: Well, I I was I was good. So I was always playing with kids older. I remember playing, you know, we used to play, you know, on Belmont Avenue. You know, they call it Urban Turner Boulevard now, but that's Belmont Avenue for me. And then, you know, Prince Street Projects and then from Prince Street, we moved up to Bradley Court. You know, I would always play with the older guy because you know we, you know, I was that good. And when you know, back back in those days, you know, guys used to bet. Neighborhoods would play each other, and some of the old guys would come get me, you know, to play on their teams. And every touchdown I scored was five dollars. And five dollars <laughs> to a fifteen-year-old back in 85, <laughs> 84 and eighty-five—that's a lot of money. That's a lot wow, of money. Okay. So. I was trying to score as many touchdowns as I possibly could, so I can get five dollars for every touchdown that I scored. But you know, it was it was it was fun. I had a great time, and I got a chance to meet some great men that helped shape my life and helped shape the man I became. Uh, my father wasn't around at the time. Uh, you know, my mother was you know doing her thing, trying to raise four big boys. So you know, you know I had an opportunity had a lot of opportunity to be. Outside in the neighborhood, in the streets, you know, it wasn't about doing nothing negative. It was about playing sports, whatever season it was, we played it in the streets, in the community, block mm-hmm. against right. block, neighborhood against neighborhood. So some fun times.
1: So you, so basically, you had um reputation, or you know, people knew about you but before you even entered high school, and so by the time you got right. to high school, right. Uh, right, you pretty much, you know, I wouldn't say commanded, but you you really had um a feel for how high school is gonna be.
0: Yeah, yeah, because uh growing up down hill, you know, down the hill, Belmont, Belmont Avenue, Ridgewood Avenue, Johnson Avenue. We called that down the hill near Shabazz. And and I as a younger as a as a small kid, we used to hear the band playing and and you know, you know, me and my crew, we would actually go over into Shabazz and watch the and and watch the uh the high school guys, you know, practice then and and back then we used to walk. Shabazz to Park. And I was one of the guys that used to carry some of the older guys' equipment. So, you know, at a younger age, I knew I was going to be a bulldog. I knew I was going to go to Shabazz. I knew, you know, I knew all the songs. I knew the tradition. I knew the history um, of my X. Shabazz. You know, it, it, it was just a matter of, we couldn't wait to get there. You know, and conversely, we moved from Prince Street, from Belmont Avenue from Prince Street, up to Bradley Court. And my mother actually transferred me to Westside my freshman year. So I was in Westside. Man, I tore that place up trying to get out of here. Uh, Mr. Potts, my, I, I love him to death. I hope he's resting now. But Mr. Potts became a good friend. And Mr. Pelosi was the vice principal. And and they knew what I was trying to do. I was trying to get put out of Shabazz. So, I mean, try to get put out of Westside so I can make it back down to Shabazz and, and my mother got tired of the phone calls. She got tired of, you know, those guys calling. She said, you got to find a way to get there on your own. So I used to walk from Bradley mm-hmm. Court to Malcolm X. That's how bad I wanted to go there. And uh, and by that time, once I started playing football, you know, once I made the team, uh, coaches would come pick me up. Coach McCones would come pick me up. So I walked maybe about a month. But then, you know, <laughs> Coach McCones, they would uh, make sure I had ride
1: there. Uh, to and from school. Well, uh, hey, that's determination right there. And yeah, so uh yeah. you graduated uh from William Patterson and you actually you actually lived the dream that a lot of our you know, black male athletes strive for. So you got a chance to play in the NFL.
0: Never actually played in the game, but I had an opportunity to to uh
1: be a part of the Miami Dolphins for a
0: short stint and it was, you know, was a dream come true. It was uh, Prior to that, you know, the time I had at William Patterson was phenomenal. Again, I met people there who helped shape my life and helped provided me with mentorship and gave me an opportunity to be successful and and, and as on and off the field. Uh, uh, as a black man growing up without a father, being being coined this 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 phenomenal. I mean, I was a phenomenal athlete, but having that much pressure on me at that time was very, very difficult because, you know, you're bringing me from a city uh, where it was, you know, uh, it was a totally different world mm. when I got on a college campus. You know, um, it was it was a hard adjustment. And that's one of the things we do here at Leaders for Life is to provide a, You got to understand something. I had not been on a college campus until my senior year of high school, which is basically too late Mm-hmm. Um so you know I had you know I didn't know what to expect. Uh no one in my family had been to college. No one talked about college. No one expected me to go to college, you know. Uh my high school coaches and you know my you know uh, they were mentioning to me they were telling me about, you know, getting prepared for college, but you know you have to prepare for college in elementary. school, You don't prepare for college your senior year in high school. And that's one of the things we do here at Leaders for Life is prepare young people for college at an early age, because if they don't see themselves being successful on a college campus, how can we expect for them to be prepared? So we we, we, take, we take them as young as sixth grade on a college campus mm. to experience that, and to have the opportunity to visualize themselves being on a college campus, being successful. I don't want kids just to go to college. I want you to visualize yourself being successful on a college campus, and those are a lot of the things we do here at Leaders for Life which is preparing young
1: people to be yeah, able to do we'll, that. Yeah, we'll definitely get in more into that. But is that one of the reasons what caused you to stay more local? I'm not sure if you had other schools to choose from when you graduated, Um, but the lack well, of well, my high school the-
0: football coach, Dave McCall, who, who I love to death, uh he went to William Patterson. And, okay. and he would talk about his experience up there and he would talk about, you know, the friends he made and he would, you know, uh, he, he even took me up to a game when I left North Carolina. I, I transferred to William Patterson because that, it was it was a no brainer that I was going to go to William Patterson. A lot of our guys from North, it was a connection between uh, North Public schools and Montclair State. So it was a lot of guys up there from, from from North at Montclair State. But I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something mm. on my own. And, and and I remember all the stories and all the good times that you know you know the man that I, I revered Coach McCombs, he would tell us about his, his times at William Patterson. So I wanted to
1: go up there and, and, and make a mark for myself. And and then it led you, you know, we jump ahead to kind of 2000. Mm-hmm. You know, you headed to Weekway High School to take over the head coaching job there. And you were the SAC, you had a SAC coordinator position. But, you know, being that you were from Newark and you, know, you jump you know, I guess that's 10 years later, 10, 12 years later. What mm-hmm. surprised you about the city what had changed you know what surprised you the most and what were some of the lessons you had to impart amongst your athletes so it's a funny story how i got the
0: job at weekway high school i was coaching at bunkum i was coaching at shabazz at the time from when i came back from miami in 95 95 96 uh i immediately went back to shabazz to teach to start coaching i remember my arm i, I had shoulder. Uh, that ended my, my playing career. You know, I, I remember, you know, uh, Charlie Meadows, you know, a good friend of mine who's a, who's a North legend, went to Westside and, and ran after school program. He was my principal at Shabazz my senior year. And uh, when I called him and let him know that I was coming back home, he made a couple of calls. And by the time my plane landed, I had a teaching job at Montgomery Shabazz. Wow. So I went, I went right over to Shabazz, started teaching. It was, it was just a natural fit. That I started coaching, I stayed there four years, and then Archie Reynolds, who was who was who was my gym teacher at Montgomery Shabazz, he had then he's a Shabazz legend. Uh, he had then left and became the vice principal at Weekway High School, and he gave me a call and asked me to apply. And you know, you know, there's the history. You know, I'm not going to Weekway. I'm I'm a bulldog. We do like You know, I go up there. I'm gonna beat them all up. You know, Archie Renner, you got to know Archie Renner is this powerful, six, four, 300 pound guy. You know, when he talks, everybody listens. So he pulled me to the side. He put his arm around me. He said, this is a young man. Black and gold is in your blood. Orange and brown pay your mortgage. And that's when I took the job. Right after that, mm. right after that, I gave him all a call and I said, you know, I'll take the job. And, and uh, I'm glad I did because. Uh, the 10 years I spent up there with you and, and others were probably other than my children being born, 10 of the best years of my life. I mean, we had a special, special connection amongst the staff. We had a great work ethic. We all blended together. And uh, Ron Stone, you know, God bless him, mm-hmm. was the ultimate leader. And, and he gave us all the tools we needed to do the job. I remember one time uh, all the staff. You know they they do the uh, uh, teachers' meetings after school back then, and I'm sitting in the library. You know, Ron Stone came up to me. He said, uh, "What the hell are you doing here?" I said, "What do you mean a teachers' meeting?" He said, "Nah." He said, "You take you go to practice. You got practice. You got to get, you got to get ready for a game." <laughs> and, and 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 one morning he pulled me to his office. He said, "I, I found forty thousand dollars. I'm going to build you a weight room." He said, "But I don't want a football team. I want a program." And when he said that, I understood his commitment and he understood that I needed, I understood that I needed to deliver. I needed to put some men in place that was going to not only coach these young men and and preach my and deliver my agenda, but they were going to be role models and they were going to be mentors and they were going to be fathers and they were going to be uncles and big brothers and, and, and not just football coaches. You have to, You have to be more than just a football coach when you're coaching in the inner city because a lot of our young men come to us with so many different issues, so many different, you know, circumstances. And and, and they look to us, you know, there's a a quote, a coach will affect more children's lives in one season than most men in a lifetime. And I took that job very seriously. I had to be very careful about the things I said and the things I did because those Mm -hmm. young men were watching. And I got the job. I was 29 years old, so I was relatively a young man, and I couldn't hang out in the streets. I couldn't go to parties and clubs and and do things that you know 29 year olds did then, uh, because I had 45 young men who were listening mm-hmm. to my every word, who were watching my every motion. So I had to be very careful about the message I sent. I wanted to not only win state championships, I wanted to build great men. And I, and I think that myself and you and others who are part of my program, who are part of my staff, helped to do that. You know, people always talk about, your know, Coach White, you did, you did. And anybody that knows me knows that, you know, I tell them all, I was a part of a great team. I have a great team now, you know. I'm just basically right. like, but I have a great team that, that, that do the work that I require them to do and, and then go above and beyond that. So, yeah, even though, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown, you know, the body in which I had
1: at Weekway High School and here at Leaders Life was very, very supportive. So when would you say they this, the players now actually mm-hmm. got the message of what you were trying to accomplish? Year three. Um, year three, we had a group of young men I'm talking about the Bobby
0: Curries, the Amos Crudup, the Nari Wimbleys, the the Alquan Greens, and the Terrence Banks, and we talking seventeen years ago. Yeah. And I can, and these kids' names are fresh in my head, as if it was yesterday. Those guys really banded together. And said, you know, the losing stops. You know, it stops now. Uh, the first two years, they were young, they were uh, freshmen and sophomores. So the first two years, you know, we got our ass walked, you know, we were one in nine both years. But you saw that that yeah, we were losing, we weren't getting blown out. We were losing by touch, we were losing by, you know, a few points here. You know, we were competing in every game. We just needed a another fresh group of young men. So that freshman class I recruited coming into that third year was the America Marils. Jamal Perry's, uh, uh the Harris's, you, you know, those guys. And it was, you know, we had about 19 young men that we recruited that came in as freshmen. They were eight and one as freshmen. That was on the freshman team. And then their sophomore team, they made varsity. We were, you know, nine and three. And then we, we and then we went eight and four. And then we went eleven and one and state won a state championship. So those guys really banded together and we started to change the culture. And not only the culture of winning on the football field, we changed the culture in the building along with Ron Stone's leadership. Mm, right, right. You know, we had a big. You know, you remember we had a huge game problem at Weekway High School. Yeah. You know, and the games and the football players and the athletes banded together and said, "That stops now." Now we can't control what happened. We can't change what what happens outside of Weekway, but inside of Weekway, those young men really, really came together. I remember, you know. The peer leadership with, you know, Coach Zaire and, and me being a part of those conversations. And then um, having those young men be mentors. And that's when leaders, and see, people don't understand, that's when Leaders to Life was formed. It was a grassroots organization. We used to bring in young men from the community and have the men, the young men on our football team mentor them. You know, they would be our ball, our ball boys on the sideline. They will come to camp with us. They would come up to Weekway High School for students for a day. That's how we started Leaders for my Mentoring. Oh, it, was okay. a peer mentor, it was a peer mentoring program. And then you know, obviously it evolved to what it is now. But uh, we we had the vision then. I would never have guessed that it would blow up to where it's blowing up now to where we are educating tens of thousands of young people. So when I had the school program, we're an alternative high school now. We still have the mentoring piece award-winning after-school program and just a, a just a community servant to this particular area i mean it's it's phenomenal actually
1: yeah i'm glad i'm glad you mentioned it i know we jumped ahead uh, a little bit to that and the fact that it i didn't realize it was it a peer-led organization uh, that led to you opening so because i know you also dabbled a little bit in entrepreneurship as well and from what i can remember you were going to open i think you were going to open a subway uh, we did i mean yeah you F- did F- yeah F- so you could have gone you know you could have opened been a Mo- subway mogul but you felt you needed to do this and what what was really the pull that had you uh kind of created into a non-profit
0: i'll go back uh guys like Walter Reynolds Dave McCombs, uh coach lucky up in westward and a lot of other you know coach kettles that that cowboy kettles those are the men that that you know even when i got to college coach Gallagher those are the men that poured into me. Those are the men that gave me an opportunity to be sitting here in front of you as a fraternity brother, as a proud fraternity brother, as a as a, as a successful football player, as a su- successful football coach, as a businessman, as an entrepreneur, as a nonprofit leader. Even when I was administrator at correction State, because those men poured into me, I would be remiss if I didn't do the same for the young men that's coming behind me. So I'm just paying it forward, you know? Mm. I'm just paying people back who've poured so much into me. You know, just think about how how much this this city would be if we had more men come back and not just come back with a check. Come back with your time. You know, most of these young men, they need your time. They want to know that you care. They want to know that, you know, that you love them. They want to know that, you know, yeah, I may have done this but, you know, can I can I continue to count on, you know, I give yeah, them tough oh, yeah. love. You know, I, I will crack their head wide open. But I also give them a great big hug and kiss me. Yeah. You know, take them out to dinner. Spend some time with them. You know, talk to yeah. them. Be a part of them. Don't we'll just run out the door when it's 3 o'clock. You know, I tell my teachers all the time, don't beat my kids out the door. You know, most of these kids want to stay there. An after-school program is great if you have people that care about you. They get beat up so much in school. They get beat up so much at home. You need to find a place where they can feel safe, be themselves, and talk, and be wanted and feel valued. And that's what we do here at Leaders for Life. We, 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 These kids have value here. And this is because of all of those men that poured into me. It's not nothing I created. I'm just bringing people back that poured into me.
1: That's great. And yeah. so, yeah, you did mention that you, you have touched about ten, tens of thousands of people. But were there... There's one, one or two stories that you remember. So, as you know, I've lost several
0: young men in my tenure with North Public Schools. You know, one in particular, Jamal Perry. Uh, he was my quarterback, uh, captain on my state championship team. He was murdered, and this is this is the one that, that bothers me. This is the one that hurts because you know my my 18 year old daughter. Uh, Jordan, I remember him uh, in my living room, rolling around on the on the floor, playing with her. She jumping off, you know, in my in my living room with a sunken living room. She used to jump off the couch, and he would catch her, and they would roll around. And this is a young man that I brought into my home and was a part of my family. Losing him hurt, even to this day. Just thinking about it, just talking about it. I have a lot of great memories that I can hold on to. I have a lot of great memories that I share from time to time. You know, even when the guys, you know, we get together with some of the some of the old players, and and they always talk about the stories and my ranting and, and you know how tough I was yeah, yeah. on them, and, and then two seconds later I'm, I'm hugging and kissing all of them, but they respected that you know um they they loved that but jamal was one of the ones that, that always i want to carry that memory with me to the day i'm gone uh, just a great great young man he just got caught up in some of the ills of our city and just couldn't recover right just couldn't right. recover and, and and it hurts even to this day
1: yeah sorry to hear that cuz i didn't yeah. i didn't realize i didn't realize that um you know and there's been you know others and with the, the role of the job um, of, of mentoring, let's kind of switch to that per se. What, what would you say some of the obstacles that are out there, especially in our urban city, cities around mentoring and trying to support yeah. these young men and women?
0: Uh, getting people involved. You know, people sign up all the time. They get a moment where, you know, they want to help out, you know, because of the climate we live in. There's a legal side. That must take place with background checks and things of that Mm. nature. Just people's commitment, you know. If if more men, if more men can be involved, um, study shows that you know, know, 68% of black men are involved in their children's life. You know, society only talk about the other 32% that's not there. There are some opportunities for us to go outside our families and support some of those young young people that need guidance That need, you know, you know, just spend a little time with them. You know, it's okay to spend some, uh, or come to a mentoring organization where you donate a check. But oftentimes, and I'm gonna tell you, you know, we we love the checks, but your time is is more valuable when you talk about our young African-American young men, because I'm a firm believer of what they see is what they'll be. And if we don't provide them with an opportunity to see themselves being valued or see themselves being great or see themselves being the next Outreach White, the next key to own a podcast, to own a business, to start, you know, to start businesses and give them the uh, platform to be able to uh, uh, explore their interests, then what else do they have? You know, because society does a great job of telling them that they are nothing. It's our job to uplift them. It's our job to, you know, take them on college campus. It's our job, especially fraternities and sororities, to come back. I, I remember being in Malcolm X Shabazz. I used to bring the young brothers down, and you know, to talk to the other young brother and they were due to stepping. And I have about six or seven young brothers who were graduates of Malcolm X Shabazz who couldn't wait to become out. because of the role that those young men play in giving those young people those young men an opportunity to see themselves on a college campus, to mm-hmm. see themselves a part of a brotherhood, to see themselves doing great things with their life, because we provided them with that platform. So to answer your question, we need more men and women to get involved. You know, you know, spend some time with a young person. And I know it's very difficult now. You know, you got the internet, which is destroying us. And you got things that these kids experience that you and I couldn't even fathom as children. We need more people to get involved. We need more people to to, to help men, young boys and young girls, you know, to know their value, to know their worth. And, and there are a lot of great people out there doing phenomenal work, but, you know, we need more.
1: Yeah, I know you mentioned the Internet. How has the virtual, you know, platform and how is that? Has that hurt or hindered?
0: It hurts. Many of our students are missing out on our social interaction. The social development, uh the social emotional development. A lot of our kids and we us being an alternative high school, you know, we are in person. You know, we the virtue thing didn't work for us last. We tried it back in March of twenty twenty. It didn't work. Our kids were not logging on. They they didn't have the technology. They didn't have mm-hmm. internet. They didn't they, I mean they couldn't take the computers home for fear of being robbed or fear someone in their home stealing it. It just didn't work. Um uh, mm-hmm. as our come to Newark and see during the, during the time that young people are supposed to be logging on, uh, they're outside, they're, they're in the streets, they're doing other things. We have to find a new way of reaching these young people and, and supporting them and helping them see the value in, in logging on and doing what they're supposed to do. Oftentimes, I had a young man tell me, Coach, I just log on and leave. So we have to do a better job of uh, reaching out to these young people you know, letting them know that, you know, it's important that they attempt to do the work. I mean, it's not everyone. It's not all of them. But there is a small percentage of them that's not doing it. And that's that small percent that's going to end up being in a place like a Leaders for Life alternative high school, you know, because they're not cutting it or they're not they're, they're being removed from the traditional public school for mm-hmm. our job is to make a place like Leaders for Life alternative high school not exist. OK, we exist because they are young people who are dropping out of high school, who are being put out of high school, and so they'll come to us. We have to do a better job in the traditional schools and supporting the young people. And, and I know,
1: and I know that was kind of that was your role back at Weekway too as well yeah. in yeah. And so mm-hmm. has it gotten has it gotten better or is it about the same than it was when you were in the actually in the high school?
0: In terms of good and bad, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna comment on that. I'll just say we, we have to do a better job on a, on a city government level, at school district, uh, at school is executive uh, level, individual high schools. Again, uh, two or three kids a day are enrolling in Leaders for Life Alternative High School. That says that there's a there's an issue. There's, there's cause for concern. There's cause for us to look at what are we not doing and support these young people. So they can stay in traditional public schools.
1: You said two or three a day. Mm-hmm.
0: I have a waiting hey. list.
1: What are some of the reasons the students give for wanting to come?
0: Bullying, attendance, uh, safety, aged out, nineteen, twenty years old. Well, those are the top. Those are the top reasons. You know, it's always attendance, uh, uh, safety issues. I just don't feel safe. Stage out. And, and as then, an
1: alternative of high school, is there an attendance requirement that they.
0: Right. So I'm glad you asked me that. We don't have an attendance issue. I mean, you have some kids who 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 push the envelope, but I show up at your house. I'll I go pick you up. Just the other day, you know, I wouldn't pour water on a kid. Get your ass up. You're supposed to be at school. And that kid has not missed a day since then. Again, they're, they're, we're not connecting. With them on a personal level to make sure that they have an ability or an opportunity to say, I trust this person. I believe in this person. So I'm going to show up for school. I'm going to do the necessary things I need in order to get better. Now, does that work for everybody? Absolutely not. But we have to find, you know, other avenues, another, you know, alternative to reach each individual kid so they can continue to come to school. I mean, we've been open. Uh, four years, we've graduated 140 young people between the age of 16 and 24. Hell, we had a 54-year-old coming here, <laughs> 54, 48, a couple of 50, couple of 49-year-olds. So, you know, we our doors open for anyone that wants to better themselves and complete their uh, high school uh, high school to get their high school diploma. So, but we
1: primarily work with young people between
0: the age of 16 and 24.
1: What well, What was that experience like, especially for the young kids when they saw? the older students in the class with them? It's
0: different. Um, we kind of keep those guys together.
1: Oh, I, see. I, wouldn't put a, I wouldn't put them in there with a young person.
0: Uh, we did a lot of independent study with them.
1: Oh, I see. Uh,
0: even, I did some tutoring at night. I did some tutoring on Saturday with those individuals. You know, me, I make a joke about it. I tell them, hey, this guy was a senior when I was in high school. So, you know, I try to make it fun. I try to make an interactive. But, uh, you know, let them know. And it, it really should be an inspiration for those people because it's never too late. You know, it's never too late to, to better yourself. And, you know, we just happy that we have a, a space where people can come in the community, in the neighborhood, the neighborhood which I grew up in, and uh they can come and say, you know what, you know, it just didn't work for me at this particular school,
1: but it's working for me here. And that must really, I guess, do your heart good because you you serve as an outlet and a support for students that if they didn't have leaders for life, who knows where they would be. Right.
0: Right. So, and again, and this is what I preached to my staff about
1: uh, being supportive
0: and, you know, non-judgmental uh, people coming here, especially, you know, guys that are, you know, 40s and they don't, 50s, they don't want to be looked at as, you know, being judged. You know, we have an opportunity to help this person. Uh, we have an opportunity to support this person and better in themselves. So let's do it. Their reasoning for not having a high school diploma is not a part of the orientation. Okay? We're very supportive. We're very, you know, and I treat them just like I treat the other. If you don't come to school, I'm going to call you too. I'm going to show up at your job. I'm going to show up at your house. You signed on. Your commitment is to get your high school diploma. How can I help support you? We cannot support you. We'll help you do that if you're not here. So, That's you know, they, right. get the, they get the same orientation as, as a 19, 20-year-old. But, you know, of course, you know, there's a little different circumstance in some work. Yeah, right. And, you know, these are family people. So, you know, we give them a little leeway. But, you know, when we do independent study with them, they're required to do the work just like everyone
1: else. For people that may be in the just the greater Newark community that may not have heard about, you know, the program, some things that they could do to show support.
0: Now, obviously, again, you know, financial support is always great. But if you have a story and you have a an opportunity a business and you have a skill set and you would like to share just let us know we can schedule a a workshop to come in and talk to talk to our young people about your journey about your 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 path to where you are uh financial support is always great you know we you know we have people calling me all the time you know coach i got a couple dollars i want to sponsor lunch you know coach i got a couple dollars you know i want to I want to drop it off to you because, we you know, we see what you're doing. We, we we love what you're doing. And, you know, we get those calls all the time. You know, our doors are always open. We love for people to come in and share their share their journey, share their passion. We never proclaim to have all the ends. What I do is I connect the dots. The greatest job of the head coach, i tell you one thing. When I was coached, I'm the smartest person in the room. That's the dumb woman. My job is to get people around me that are smarter than me, that are more connected than I am, so I can, you know, use them as resources for my young people. And that's something that we're good at, is connecting people to city services, county services, state services, even local services. You know, guys call me all the time, coach, you know, I want to come in and, you know, talk to the kids, and, you know, and I want to share my share my journey. We love to have people come in and talk to young people about what's going on. A lot of my former players, this is a testament to the work that you started before you left, and then Joe Hines picked it up. In two, 2006, we won a state championship with 23 seniors. Mm-hmm. We got 20 college graduates off that, off that screen. We lost two to violence. One went to the service. We have 20 college graduates, and three of those young men went on to play in the NFL. So you guys, you and Coach Hines, did a great job with, with the academic piece as well as we supported them and the athletic and social-emotional piece, yourself and Coach Hines did the uh, academic piece that were phenomenal for
1: him. So, yeah, so let's transition a little bit, you know, a little personally, you know, because you are a father. How, how many kids do you have? Seven. Seven? Wow. I mean, yes. that's almost yeah. a baseball team. What has been your biggest joy and your biggest challenge as a dad? My biggest challenge is
0: not having my children grow up in my house. So they have different values. The, the, uh, my values and their values growing up, and these are my older ones obviously, you know, I have, hmm. I, have I have adults, or well, six okay, now yeah. my youngest daughter just turned to so uh, they didn't grow up in my house and they don't have my religious, body. you know, I'm practicing Muslim, they don't have my religious value they don't have my, oh, you know what, conversely, all of my children are college graduates though, now there's one okay. thing that, and Jordan is in college now, there's one thing that, you know we just didn't budge on You know, whatever differences I had with their mom, we we didn't budge in terms of the importance of education. And I, again, just like I tried to model my behavior for those young men that I coach, I had to do the same for my, you know, I have four daughters, so I had to do the same for my daughters, you know, and myself. My biggest joy is that they're all friends. They all, you know, once a month. You know, I bring them all together. I make brunch with them and we bring them together and we talk and we laugh and we joke. And, you know, and, and, I, and I want them to know that you might have a different mother from her or she might have a different mother from him. This is your brother. We don't do that half brother, half. We don't do that. Stuff. Mm. They, they, they're really, really close. Uh, my daughters, they, they, they talk all the time. They're always hanging out. They're always doing something. <laughs> so that's one thing I'm very, very happy about. Um, My youngest daughter, Jordan, actually, I I talk about her the most because uh, for the past three years, she's been battling cancer. She's been through so much in terms of chemotherapy, radiation, surgeries. She's just a phenomenal, a phenomenally strong young lady. Um, You know, she was a cheerleader. She would go to treatment all week. You know, I don't people, people understand how chemotherapy is poison. They're poisoning the cancer cells and your body. It would do a number on her. She was a cheerleader. So every Friday night, she would say, Doc, you know, we got to finish this up. I got to cheer tonight. I got to be there mm. for, my, for my team. So she's eight months cancer-free now, but uh, she's been through so much. And she's just a phenomenally strong young lady. She's, she just completed her first semester in college. She's doing really well. She just got a driver's license.
1: I love him to yeah, death. And I was going to say, I know that must have been... You know, because that, that can be a challenging challenge, especially yeah. when you're not. I mean, I'm thinking about all your children and bringing them together, especially when you're you, maybe you're I'm not assuming anything. But maybe when your relationships with the moms aren't as great and you hear that in our community so much and mm-hmm. how it impacts the kids. But you are able to get beyond that and to bring your children together. So that must be a great feeling.
0: I, you know, I have children very young. I had three children before I graduated high school. So it was very, very challenging then. And then going off to college, leaving them, and the strain of me being away, and me not being there emotionally, and, and at that time, not financially either. It was, it was challenging. So uh, when I came back, it was, you know, I had opportunities to go coach in the NFL, I had opportunities to go and coach, you know, major college football, but I just couldn't, you know, and by this time, AJ was born, which is my youngest son. And there was no way I was going to do that to Jordan and AJ, what I did to the other children, because you know, I was away playing ball, I was away in college. So I wanted to I wanted to be ultimately involved in every aspect of raising them and and, and you know, I did doctors appointment. In fact, I was the one that took Jordan and AJ to the doctors when they we were younger. I just wanted to be there. I wanted to be there, you know, the white noses. I wanted to be there for dinners and wanted to be there for school plays. And Jordan was a cheerleader and she danced. And AJ was in karate, played pop water football. I wanted to be there. I didn't want to miss it. And I thought that it was important for me to do that. So I gave up my, what really wasn't a dream. I just gave up coaching because it was time for me to be a dad. I mean, a full-time dad, not a weekend dad. And I wanted to be a dad. I wanted to be there. Ain't nobody ever going to break Jordan's heart because I cracked the joke inside his head. But I wanted to be there when she do want to talk about dating. I want to be there when AJ has a question about girls or my son DeAndre, his knucklehead. I wanted to be there for them to, to make sure that they understand that, yeah, dad does a lot of different things for a lot of different people, but he's still my dad and he's there for me.
1: And so... Just to you as an individual, you know, black man, what's on your mind? What concerns do you have in 2021? The
0: community, you know, the young people, you know, here at Leaders for Life before COVID, we would get 55 to 75 young people walking through these doors every day, and since COVID, that has not happened. You know, you know, we go on Zoom, we get on the telephone, but it's nothing like that personal connection. It's nothing like. You know, touching. You know, I'm a hugger. You know, all, all of my, all of the girls know that. You know, I'm their protector. You know, your boys know I give them a body shot, but that's my way of, you know, getting, getting through to them. Hey, man, you can come to me and talk about anything. There's no problem that we can't solve together. And there are things that's going on in these communities, in these homes that I can't support, that I can't get into, that I can't help them with it because they're not physically here with me to talk about it. being able to support as many young people as I can to you help. Know, you know, we have a large population here in the city that don't have the high school diploma. I'm talking about like 7,000 young people between the ages of 16 and 21 who don't have their high school diploma. Mm. Okay, we wanna, we wanna reach out to them. We wanna get them some, well, first of all, we wanna get them reconnected. If not here, there are other entities, there's you know, youth builders, IYO, There's lead. There's a lot of different places that they can go to. You need to reach out to these young people. Um, I did a study back in 2016. There were 2,700, 26, 2,700 crimes committed, violent crimes committed in the city of Newark. 82% were done by young men, or young people between the ages of 16 and 21. That coincides with the data of, there are almost 7,000 young people between the ages of 16 and 21 who are disconnected from school. So if you're not in school, what are you out doing? You're out committing crimes. You're out getting involved in activities that you shouldn't be involved in, illegal activities. So we have to do a better job citywide. We have to do a better job, you know, district wise, even nonprofits have to do a better job to find out where these kids are, reconnect them, re-engage them, and get them some services. Um, uh, so 2021, we want to continue to grow, leaders for life. And that can mean a, a number of different things. We can grow financially. We can grow, you know, volunteer, volunteers. We can grow programmatically. We can grow in areas where we can support more people coming through these doors so we can support them. In terms of if you come in one way, we want to exit you much better than how you came. Okay. That can mean a lot of different things that we don't have the time to get into. Right, but right, you, right, we want right. to make sure that you, when you leave here, you're all supported. Guys call me all the time, coach, I just want to reach out tell you, hey, I respect you and I love you and you know I'm doing well. And I get a lot of those calls, but I also get a lot of those calls saying that my has been involved in some illegal activity. We've lost a lot of kids. I mean, in my 27 years, I've, I've lost maybe 70 young people to gun violence, mm. and that's and that's too many. I mean, you losing one is too many, but 70?
1: Wow. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on tonight. And it's a, it's been very important that, you know, it's, for it being National Mentoring Month, we need to think about how we can support our local communities, especially like Newark, East Orange, Orange, and support our young people. Because with COVID out there, they, they're lacking the, the necessary touch that they need. So I, I applaud you for. I mean, and the other stuff, you know, the coaching is great, but I think what you're doing now is truly um, a blessing, not only for the city of Newark, but just for black men and humanity in general. So, yeah. uh, thank you, well,
0: thank you, thank you for the opportunity, man. We just want to be able to support you. Know, we love Newark. Newark is our city. Newark is, is. I am Newark. You know. You know. I support Mayor Baraka. You know. You know. Mayor Baraka said, "We are Newark. We are." 284,000 mayors I'm one of those mayors so um we just want to see better you know we want us to, we want to, we want the city to be healthier we want the city to be financially uh stable we want the city to to be great like it is you know and we want to be able to support the residents of the city because we make the city the city don't make us we make the city and we have to do a better job of connecting the dots and connecting resources to people who need them so
1: So lastly, which I almost forgot about, if someone's listening tonight and they want to get involved, um, how can they reach out to you or hear more, read more about uh, the program?
0: Go on the website, wwwleaders 4 org. sign up to be a mentor, donate money. Uh, If you have a specialty you want to talk about, you know, get involved in either one of our. After school program, mentoring, middle school program, Leaders for Life Academy, have a plethora of programs that we can definitely do some support. So at the end of the day, go on to the website, give us a call at 973-855-4950.
1: So, so thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely talk soon. Okay. Thank you, brother. Right. Appreciate You're it. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. Thanks, Coach White. What a great way to kick off season two. As you know, January was National Mentoring Month, so if you're listening to this podcast, figure out how you could support more young people in your local area. Sure, finances are cool, but they need your time and your talent so they can hope and dream just like someone did for you. If you like what you heard today or in past shows, drop me a line at info at KeithDent.com. Also, another thing new that we're going to be doing, we would love for you to nominate a black man and his accomplishment to the community, no matter how small. He might even be featured on the show. So if you're interested, as I said before, send me an email to info at KeithDent.com. Black Men Speak was written and produced by me, Keith Dent, and edited by Grace Chung. And like we always do, we end the show with a quote, and this one comes from Denzel Washington. Show me a successful individual and I'll show you someone who had a real positive influences in his or her life. I don't care what you do for a living. If you do it well, I'm sure there was someone cheering you on or showing you the way a mentor. Thank you. And we'll see you next time on the Black Men Speak podcast. Peace.